The 14-week Out of the Cave coaching program is really about using your relationship with food to heal your relationship with yourself on a deeper level. Here's what some of the alumni have to say. It was life-giving. It was vocabulary-giving. It was thought process-giving. It was so much and a lot. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I got out of the whole out of the cave experience was turning, being my own best friend, turning towards myself, um, honoring and listening and speaking (laughs) for myself. I'll have to go like kill myself at the gym. It's just like, let's just move a little bit, not because I have to, but because it's my body and it's my home and I it deserves to be loved and taken care of. That's that's been a big yeah huge shift for me. <laughs> huge. Just in general, like you were the first person that actually like made me feel seen and like understood. <laughs> Hi there. Welcome back to the Out of the Cave podcast with Lisa Schlossberg. I'm your host, Lisa Schlossberg, a licensed social worker, certified health coach, personal trainer, and yoga instructor. If you, like I have, struggle with your relationship with food, eating, and body image, I am here with this podcast to guide you into healing the relationship you have with yourself through a trauma-informed, holistic, and mind-body-soul approach. Together, we can support you in building a lifestyle of more peace, freedom, safety, and power. All right. We're back. We are back. And again, I know, I know I say this every single time, but I really mean it. I'm excited to be here. And this is another one of those times where I'm excited to be here because who knows what's going to unfold. The person that I'm sitting with today, this is the first time that we have like officially, actually officially met, which is very exciting because I have to say, before I let you introduce yourself, Elise, I have like a little bit of a girl crush on you. And like, I am a big fangirl of your page on Instagram and I have been for a while. So I'm just excited that like you're here and I get to share you with my people because I think your content is like literally some of my like favorite out there. So I'm excited and I'm really glad that you're here and I'm glad that we were connected a while ago. So anyway, that's where I am at right now. Elise, hi, welcome. Hi, oh my gosh, that's so Thank you. First of all, I just want to say that's so flattering. I really, really appreciate it because I feel the same way about you. I love your content. I think it's absolute. I think I commented yesterday that's absolute fire. And I we have so many overlapping commonalities. So I'm really, really excited for this. So thank yes. you for having me. Yeah. So yeah. So my name is Elise Shunkwitz. I am a holistic psychotherapist. I'm also like you, a personal trainer and a functional neurology practitioner. So pulling in, we're helping people who are stuck as I know you do too, but really pulling in from mind, body, and brain movement modalities, functional medicine, breath work, nutritional sciences, somatic experiencing, conventional psychotherapy, all of that jazz to really help people overcome these obstacles that they're facing. Amazing. Yes. I like, it's all the things, right? It's all the things. Every time I'm talking to someone who is Also, you know, mind, body, soul, a holistic approach, psychotherapy, somatics, all the things. I'm just 
jazzed. So yes, thank you for being here. Bye. So yeah, what I'm curious about, because again, I don't know this is mm-hmm. how, tell me a little bit about just like your story. How did you mm-hmm. end up doing what you're doing now? Yeah. So there's kind of two parallel paths that happened, right? I went to social work school, which I think you went to NYU too, right? Yeah. We shared, we shared a supervisor or mentor. That's how we initially connected Reggie yeah. Matthew. Yes. Yeah. So went to NYU, got my social work degree and started working at Bellevue hospital. So for those of you who don't know, Bellevue hospital is the flagship for the New York city public hospital system. And it is the kind of like the dumping grounds for NYPD and EMS. So any sort of emergency in lower Manhattan that's brought to a public hospital is brought to Bellevue. So I was working with some of the most dangerous, most chronically mentally ill people in New York City and really from around the world because people come from, right? Everyone comes to New York. They're so excited to be here. So I did that gig in the inpatient psych unit, in the mobile crisis unit, in the psychiatric emergency room for five years. And when I started... I was on so many medications. I was on, and this had been since I was a teenager, but I was on antidepressants. I was on Xanax every day, stimulants, sleep medication. I was also on birth control, a daily allergy pill. I mean, I would go to the pharmacy and first of all, they knew me, which was like kind of embarrassing. And I would leave with like, I felt like I had more drugs than a grandma you know, and I was just like, still so unhappy, so depressed, so miserable. And I started at Bellevue and I was so burnt out. Like I thought I was going to be a patient at Bellevue. That's how bad things were. So I was doing my thing at Bellevue. And meanwhile, long story short, I started becoming a personal trainer. I got connected to the functional neuroscience community in New York city and started taking classes with the larger functional neuroscience community out in Arizona with a guy named Dr. Eric Cobb through his program, Z health. And which is taught worldwide and we can get into that too. But I started working with a few coaches, more holistic practitioners and started getting off the meds. I mean, at that point I was willing to do whatever it took because I was so miserable. If anyone had any offer of anything I could do that helped me feel better, I was willing to do it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is working because I had tried to get off the meds previously and I couldn't do it. It was really, really hard. And I think the problem is a lot of psychiatrists, I'm not saying that all meds are bad, but a lot of psychiatrists know how to put you on meds. They don't really know how to take you off. And there's a lot that's involved with that. So as I was getting off these medications, starting to really change my life. And there was so much that got pulled into that. Like there's, I can't even pinpoint one thing necessarily because so many factors changing my lifestyle, changing my diet, changing my mentality. Uh, I was like, I have to study this and I have to figure out how to help people work through this so they can feel amazing and live their best lives too. Wow. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So like, as usual, I have a million follow-up questions. Part of, I just, I don't know, maybe personal trainer to personal trainer. I'm just curious. What got you interested in doing personal training while you were in the middle of all of that? How did you get pulled into, yeah. That. Right. As you know, personal training can be a toxic culture, oh, especially for sure. Kidding, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd always been an athlete and I've always loved, I've, I became a weightlifter after college and nothing competitive, but just more fun recreational. So I was always at the gym and it was really for me a it was a coping strategy. Like, yes, there's always the component of like how I look, but 
it was how like mentally how I got through the day. Yeah. And one of the, I get to know, you know, you get to know the people at the gym and one of the women at the front desk was like, why don't you just work here? You're always here. You'll pay, it'll pay for your membership, work at the front desk. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm in grad school. Save me a little bit of money. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, everyone who works at the front desk, desk eventually becomes a personal trainer. So that's, that's really how it happened. I will say I am so lucky because where I was a personal trainer was probably the least toxic environment because I was with people who were so brilliant in the field, studying biomechanics, studying functional neuroscience. And it was actually more about the functionality of the body rather than how the body looked. Yeah. And that was really impactful on me and started to shift my mindset. Now I definitely have gone through my unhealthy, you know, and you're, you work with eating disorders. I had, I struggled with binge eating disorder for many, many years of my life and have gone through unhealthy phases with exercise. Uh, in fact, fun fact, I used to run to Bellevue every single morning, regardless of the weather, <laughs> because I was so burned out and it was literally the only way for me to get through the day. I was a crazy person. Like people couldn't get to work because the subways weren't running in a snowstorm and I ran there, but and it definitely messed up my cortisol. I will not say it, it, it messed me up big time, but I used movement in that way. It just helped me survive. And now I'm shifting the way I use movement yeah. so I can nourish my body, but also feel good. Yeah, totally. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. That's why I always get really curious about people getting into personal training is because mm -hmm. it could come from so many different places and be such a different experience for all of us. But Absolutely. I had a similar, I had a similar, um, I was working the front desk at my gym as well. And it just like snowballed into my entire life at the time. Yes. So had, had to go there. So, okay. The next thing that I'm curious about is because I can also really relate to you in this way of getting your, so you got your master's in social work Mm -hmm. And you were at NYU. So that we know is a more like clinical program. So you always had this interest in working, I would imagine, like one on one with people. So yeah. you're moving through that. You're learning, you know, a lot. You're being trained basically to be a therapist. And then from that place of a little later on, if I'm getting this right, you start learning more from like functional medicine, like somatic experiencing things are things are changing a little bit. So I'm curious if you can speak to kind of the gap between all the education and knowledge you got from your master's in social work to all the things that came after that, just like expanding your knowledge of the mind-body system is what it sounds like. Is mm -hmm. that what it felt like for you? Yeah. And even more so diving into that when I was at Bellevue for five years, Yeah, the system is so conventional. So it even builds right. more upon, I mean- even more medication driven and clinical than, than the social work degree was right, as clinical right. as that was. Right. So I was having this parallel universe happen, this parallel experience happening where I'm on all these meds. I'm seeing that they're not really helping me. I'm at Bellevue where really the only modality we use to help people is medication management, right? There's a little bit of group therapy, a little bit of individual therapy, but there's no movement. There's no sunlight. The right. food is worse than like nineties airplane food right, <laughs> that, right, right. that you eat. And I'm starting to see the system is kind of broken. Mm. So eventually, you know, I'm staying here and, and Bellevue was amazing. I learned so much along the way. I'm so grateful for that experience, but I was starting to realize that there's way more out there that can really heal from the root. And I actually have a painting 
I'll show it to you eventually uh, later. I'll also take you a picture of it. It's this painting I made about my experience and it's with my medications. I have my medication. I collected some medications from Bellevue and it's, it's about my, you know, I guess emancipation, if you will, from the system. Yeah. But also recognizing, you know, and I, I think people can think that I can have pretty extreme views about psychiatry and Western medicine, which I do. I'm not going to lie because I do feel burned by the system. I do know that there is a time and place for these things also, you know, and, and while yeah. one of my specialties is helping people get off medication and having medication alternatives, I still have plenty of patients I work with who are on medications and want to stay on them. And that's totally fine. And I also recognize when I need to refer to a provider for a patient to be medicated. Um, but yeah, the gap basically, it just started widening out. Yeah. 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 Of the conventional training of social work school Bellevue. And here's what I'm learning. And eventually there was just this soul disconnect and I couldn't stay at Bellevue any longer because of that. Yeah. Okay. I so hear you. And it yeah. reminds, I mean, for me, a similar thing happened where I also got my master's in social work. I was a personal trainer. I was health coaching at the time, but then I started for me, it was, I was connected to John Gabriel. I was connected to Nicole Sachs. I got connected to these really like mind, body, soul communities where I was learning about the mind body connection. And mm -hmm. for me, it felt like social work school for, it almost went hand in hand for a while. It was like, oh, cool. There's so much more than just the physical body because I was a personal trainer and then it got deeper and deeper and deeper. But then, like you said, it was like the gap started widening where it was like, wait, there's this whole like somatic, intuitive, energetic, like component to things that the yes. clinical system just didn't touch or speak to at all. And so very similarly, I kind of started gravitating you know, out of the system. So I'm curious, this is just, uh, this is a personal curiosity. I just have to ask. Did yeah. you <laughs> ask away? I love it. Did you have like a little bit of an existential crisis, like leaving the system? Yes. I wasn't going to leave. I knew I had to, I knew it was time to leave. And for, you know, certain, for circumstances, I don't really want to get into the universe found a way to get me out and full-time into my private practice. I was doing my practice part-time on the side. So it was really a natural transition that most people go through when they're working at an agency or a hospital or things like that. But it was, yeah, it was hard. It was hard. Look, working in a psychiatric emergency room, especially the psychiatric emergency room that everyone knows about, it's exciting. It's thrilling, right? You have to be, I would say you have to be a little bit sick to like something yeah. like that because like, you know, it's not for everybody. So there's this thrill and addiction. And I, and back then, oh my gosh, was I addicted to the stress hormones for pretty much all of my life until recently. So that was just fueling the fire, right? Along with the running to Bellevue every morning and the working out and, um, you know, all the other issues. So it was such a blessing when I left, even though I felt so conflicted about it. Yeah. But ultimately I know it was, it was the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Totally hear you. I ask because that was, that was really hard for me that I, I kind of made the decision. I got my master's and then like, you're an LCSW. So you yeah. got your hours, you got your C. I never did that. I got my, right. I got my master's and then I felt kind of similarly, like I couldn't, it just didn't align with my belief system anymore to, to move in that direction. So I moved more toward, you know, the holistic approach, but that was 
a total existential crisis for me at the time. It took a lot of soul searching to actually make that decision. So anyway, that's why, that's why I asked. No, I was so curious and I wanted to get into it at some point also, because to be able to make that leap, it's a very scary thing to do to disconnect yourself from the system or conventional system. And I have to say, like, I think this is probably something, you know, I don't talk that much about like my personal experience with like entrepreneurship or, you know, any of the things of the last few years, but For me, what it also came down to, which I think is really important and probably in some ways without me knowing it in this moment, probably a segue to some of what you're also going to share, that is a big thing that kept coming up for me was the way that I saw, we can call it the quote unquote system, was designed to, it felt to me personally, like it was designed around the question, what is wrong with you? What is wrong Mm -hmm. with the person? And it felt like fundamentally it was coming from this place of the person is broken and needs to be fixed. And after my years in school um, and my own personal experiences and having, honestly, having people really close to me um, move through the system and a lot of medication and things like that, it was this like awakening to me where I realized like, I don't believe that human beings are broken. I don't Mm. believe that there's something wrong with any of us, especially when it comes to eating disorders and disordered eating. That was my in to realizing that there's nothing wrong with us because that was my experience with it. It was like, wait, so in the DSM, right? It's like, this is what makes an addiction. This is what makes an eating disorder. This is how we classify it. And again, like I believe there's a time and space and a place for all of that. But that's what really I couldn't align with was I saw the way, again, in my experience with people that I know and love, it felt like their treatment in the system actually made the problems worse. And it didn't, like the treatment modalities and methods that I saw felt to me like they only exacerbated the problem. And so Mm -hmm. I I was just, again, getting really exposed to this whole other world that said, you know, this is actually really normal behavior. The mind, body, soul system is doing every single thing, quote unquote, right. And again, for me, that was learning overeating, undereating, compulsive eating, mindless eating. All of that is actually very valid and appropriate. And what does that mean for other things in the DSM that are classified as a disorder? What does that mean for bipolar, borderline? What does that mean for the rest of us human beings? I actually don't think something's broken. I don't think that we're bad or wrong. And I don't think we Mm -hmm. need to be fixed. And I don't think we're problems that need to be solved. And that was a huge, just ideological kind of genesis for me, kind of shifting out of that. And you know, something I think everyone who listens to this podcast knows is, you know, Gabor Mate's work, it's not about what's wrong with you, it's about what happened to you. And, and so I think anyway, anyone who has the balls to do what what we are doing, which is to say there's a time and space for this, but you know there's also a lot more out there and a very different fundamental way of seeing the people that we work with. I think that matters a lot and is really important. So <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, I love everything you just said. It's amazing because this and and the the fact that you realize that so early on in your social work career is unbelievable because it's actually not something that I realized until more recently where I started working. I work with a somatic 
therapist slash constellation, family constellation therapist coach. She's actually based out in California. And she's really, we've been working together for almost two years now. And she's the one who, who actually has now started to tell, you know, she's the one who started telling me it's not what's wrong with you. It's what's right with you. Yeah. Right. Those are the things that helped you survive. And looking at that in the same exact way that you're explaining it and us going back into my childhood and I grew up in a home with domestic violence and I had a lot of struggles from a very young age and it was always, I was wrong, right? How do I fix Elise? How do we right. fix Elise? I, my, my mom was taken, you know, God bless my mom. She is amazing and has done so, so much for me, but it was driving into New York city to take me to see the best therapist and the best psychiatrist. And, you know, what medication do I need to be on? And then I was on every, I was on every antidepressant that was on the market at the time, right? Cause none of them were working and I was having terrible side effects and the therapy really wasn't great. And my, my coach always says to me, my somatic coach, she always says, children express what is unexpressed in the system. Mm. You know, so if your parents are not expressing things emotionally, it's going to sometimes come out in you. Oh my God. Yeah. My whole body has chills. Yeah. It's good stuff, right? It's really good stuff. And then it's like, well, here's Elise, little, you know, little young Elise trying to express the unexpressed emotions that no one else has been able to feel in their system in other generations before me, but it's not okay because she's sad and she's anxious and she's depressed and she can't function and we have to fix her. Right. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Mm. I, I want to let it like hang in the air for a second. Cause I'm processing that, which means probably everyone who's listening is also processing that in their own way for a second. And I think that's really important because what goes through my head when I hear that is, you know, for me, it was the fact that I was, I was 300 pounds when I was 17. So my whole childhood was, it wasn't the therapist and the psychiatrist, it was the dietitians and the nutritionists. And it was Weight Watchers yeah. at nine years old, right? It was always, how do we fix this? And it was never questioning, like, what is going on? What's going on with this person? And when I hear you say, the child is expressing what's not expressed for me personally that I mean it makes so much sense because what I know is how much was not being felt and expressed and processed uh there was there was so much in the house that was going mm -hmm. on D death and loss and grief and just lots of depression from that and and that's so exactly it was what was what was right with us what was right with me was I was eating to cope and it was brilliant. And it, it was exactly what it needed to be like. So it's and that's why, again, this is like, I think the root of everything that I think is so important about shining this kind of light on our relationship with food, especially uh, for parents who are watching their kids overeat, undereat, picky eat. It's not about what's wrong with them. It's about what's right with them. This is the thing that's working. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's why I think that shift, again, kind of out of the system, quote unquote, um, happened for me that was, I started again, just realizing that if I was taught my whole life, that my relationship with food was something that was wrong with me, but actually it's something that's right with me. I was comparing that to the way that, again, when I think about people I know who've moved through the system and the way that they were treated, part of the reason, the reason that I really believe treatment made things worse. And I, that, 
as of right now, that is something I will really, really, truly stand behind is because you can have all the therapy in the world. You could take all the medication in the world. You can have the right support groups. You can have all the things. But if at the root of it, it's all coming from a place of believing that you're broken, how helpful can that be long-term? And that's what I've seen in people that I really love and care about is that, you know, you can stabilize. But at the end of the day, if you wake up and fall asleep with a belief that something is wrong with you, that's that's the thing that needs to be addressed. Yes. And ultimately. Amen. That is so beautiful. Yes. <laughs> wow. 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 I love that. I love that. I know I, I said that before about what you said, but really your language around this and being able to verbalize it is so, is so amazing. Thank you. Because that's so true. Yeah. And it, it's, like I said, this is, it's, it's only in the last few years of doing this work that I'm really starting to realize that. And I think it's easy for us, you and me probably to see our, our clients that we work with and see that they're not broken and see that there's actually everything they've been doing that are these behaviors that you don't want to do are protective. And that there's actually when, when, you know, there's always black and without black, there is no white without day, there is no night. And I didn't mean to rhyme there, but you know, it's, I was talking to a client about this yesterday who thinks that they might have a diagnosis of high functioning autism. And this diagnosis is a double-edged sword for her because it's, whoa, this might answer everything. It explains everything that I thought was quote unquote wrong with me. But at the same time, I feel like if this diagnosis is true, I am stuck in it. I can't change it. And I said, whoa, whoa. But what about all the amazing qualities that you have? maybe because of this diagnosis and this diagnosis doesn't change who you are, right? You're not a different person just because we slap a label on you or not. And I'm not the one diagnosing her here, but this is something in her own research that she's found. But there's also all these amazing things that you've been able to do and success you've been able to have and the things you've been able to see that maybe someone without this experience hasn't. Mm -hmm. It's not all bad. There's actually a lot of beauty in it too. Yeah. You know, it's complicated. It's a nuance. Like we know nothing is black and white in that way. Yeah. And that's what happens in this conventional world is that right, it is right, so right. Black and white. Right. We slap a label on it. You know, we put the trauma label, the borderline, the eating disorder, and we're just really complex human beings. I hate diagnosing. I hate when I do I an know. initial session that I have to put a, a diagnosis on the super bill. Yeah. Cause I don't view my clients like that. It's just not right. Yeah. I so hear you. <clears throat> I have so many feelings. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, I just, I'm sitting yeah. over here, you know, like pulling the tissues out because this is like the, I've, I've cried on this podcast before. I'm not opposed to doing it. I think this is, I think every time I have this conversation, I notice how much, like in so many ways, like this is my why, you know, and like, I don't want to share, I don't want to give away anything about 
anyone else, you know, I don't want to identify anyone specifically, so I'm not going to, but, but it, it does really bring up a lot in me to think about what has actually, who has driven me to do so much of what I'm doing <laughs> and, and that it comes from this place like when you say it's it's amazing that I know this so early on it's because of my personal life not my professional life um and so it just it it kind of always goes back to um something that I I guess I don't I don't think that much about anymore you know and um but but that's really the that is the why behind all of it you know it's not about food and eating and our body it's about the root of all of it that is there's nothing wrong with you and we're not we're not bad we're not broken and and I just think it's like the most important thing in the world you know <laughs> like really yes so yeah so that's <laughs> that's where that's where I kind of am right now and just you know having the space to talk about it yeah so well, thank you for sharing that yeah. and I I wish we could just go scream it from the rooftops right now. <laughs> You're not broken, not broken. Because right. I, I live so much of my life just thinking when I get off my meds, things will be better. Right. When I have, and, and this is common in the eating disorder world, when I have the perfect body, things will be better. When I stop overeating, things will be better. And I had that conversation with just my client right before we hopped on of, of her recognizing that she is doing that. When X is good, Y will be good. Right. When my body's good, I'll have a boyfriend. Right. You know, and that's, right, right. that's literally what she said. She's like, no, it's crazy. I know it's crazy. I think that. And and I said, she's like, I'm going to the gym. I'm not losing weight. And I said, we got to focus on the process. You know, fall, and it sounds so cliche, but falling in love with the process. And the day I finally said to myself, you know, I can curse on here. We can curse. Yeah. I can't like the day I finally said to myself, fuck it. Like I'm not going to wait around until I'm off all my medication to actually enjoy my life. Wow. Did things change? Yeah. 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 Cause I wasn't, it was broken versus not broken. That it was yeah. the black and white thinking. Yep. If I could start viewing myself as like, I deserve to live a great life right now. And, and even if I, things are not exactly as I want, and you know what? Nothing's ever going to be perfect because, right, you get off all the meds and something else is going to happen. And you're gonna have to do, right? Like something else, like life is not, is nothing stays stagnant. We're constantly moving. We're constantly going up and down. And my neuro professor, Dr. Cobb said this. He said, if we're, if you are living a life, avoiding pain, you are not living. Yep. This is everything. It's everything. And, and this is why, I mean, when I talk about and teach, like, uh, you know, we talk about like limiting beliefs and it's like that, that's when we're living in a place of, I can't do that the way that I am. I can't do that now. I can't do that at this size. I can't do that while I weigh this. I can't, if we're living there, all we're doing, like really on a, again, like a mind body level to the brain is communicating that we're not safe. And so it just like further boxes us in. When what we really want is to feel free and peaceful and alive and allowed to do all the things. And it's like, we do that by getting to a place similarly where you're just like, fuck this. Like I deserve the life that I want to live and I can be at this weight. I can be with these eating habits. I can be in this body. 
I'm a human being. And like, there's a clip that I share, there's a clip I share in my curriculum that is, do you know the movie Network? It's like 19, oh. like 70s or something, but it was like my okay. dad's favorite also, like, movie. So, no, I, it, it, irrelevant, <laughs> but there's this like timeless scene where he literally is screaming at the camera and he goes, I'm a human being, God damn it. And my life has value. And I share that because it's like, you kind of have to get to that point where you're like, I'm a human being, God damn it. My life has value, right? My life, I'm a human. I'm not a body. I'm not a weight. I'm not a shape or a size. I'm a human being. And when you get to a point where you're like, fuck this, like, I want to live. I want to live the life that I'm here to live. Things really start to shift. So yes to all of that. Thank yes. you for sharing that. Yeah. Okay. So I have, I'm going to go back a little bit because this is the other lingering question in my head. That is when you talk about that gap. So we have like the clinical kind of DSM world, and then you have this you know, functional medicine, somatic, everything else world. What, if you could identify, and I don't want to like, you don't need to like bullet point them out, but I'm just curious if you could speak to like, what were the things that you were learning that you didn't already know that you would want to share with the people who are listening to this? You know, like, what are some of the things that really started to open your mind and change the way that you were experiencing your own life and your work with your clients? Does that make sense? As that gap, like what was starting to create that gap? Yeah. And what kinds of, like, what kinds of things were you learning outside of your system knowledge? The biggest thing for me, if I'm going to sum it up, is that no one part of the nervous system can be isolated. In the conventional Western medical model, we have the GI doctor, you have the gynecologist, you have the orthopedist, you have the primary care doctor, you have the psychiatrist, the neurologist. And it so disjoints it. You know, like the everything impacts everything else. The quality of the food you eat is going to impact the cells that you create in your body. It is going to impact inflammation. It's going to impact mental and physical health. That's a dietitian, right? That's like the disjointed, the, you know, the, the individual pieces that are broken up, the puzzle pieces that are broken up energy, your mood, right? Even if you want to get like woo woo and spiritual, which I recognize, like this isn't for all of my clients and that's okay. But like that energetic stuff, you can't isolate it. I always think about that when they do, right? When people say, according to this study, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, how do they know what that person's mood was during the study or their financial stress or whether they got into a fight with their partner that day and how that impacted their blood pressure and, you know, like all that stuff. So you can't isolate one thing. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration when healing. Very is well that said. It's joined us. And this is why you have, right? And I'm sure you see this. I know I see this a lot in my practice where people have just gone to so many different types of doctors to figure out what is, what is the issue and no one can figure it out because, you know, the, the primary care doctor is not communicating with, with the allergist who's not communicating with the GI doctor who's not right. And like, oh my gosh, gut issues, the connection between the gut and the brain, holy moly, it's crazy. Right. But no one's really talking about it. So if there's one thing I wish people knew, it's that it's that you can't disconnect any of the systems. And that's really, and that's, what's cool about functional neuroscience is that, you know, I'm sitting in these classes and all of a sudden we're learning how to get people out of pain 
right? They're like getting people out of knee pain by working on scar tissue on their shoulder. And you're like, well, how did you just do that? And I'm like, because that scar tissue on your shoulder, that's never actually been rehabbed properly because our system just doesn't do that. And there's just no time and place for that. It's actually amping up your nervous system. It's making the entire nervous system feel unsafe. So that knee pain might actually be feeling more intense than it needs to be. So let's do something like working on that scar tissue, make the body feel a little bit safer. And we scar tissue is really interesting and fascinating. And all of a sudden your nervous system can like, it can breathe, it can relax. And that pain in your knee isn't going to be as intense. So that's, what's really cool. You're like, this is magic, right? People come to me and I work on it. They're like, well, you're a witch. You're a magician. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, I'm just working on your nervous system. You know, that's really all it is. So yeah. yeah. Wow. Cool. Very cool. And it's something that, yes, a hundred percent. I remember when I was getting my master's, one of my professors, Victoria Stanhope. So she has a lot of research on integrative healthcare. And that was like her Mm -hmm. thing. And I, it was funny because I like, I remember I like wasn't supposed to end up in her class and then some scheduling thing happened and then I ended up in her class and then the whole curriculum was about integrative healthcare. And I was like, oh my God, universe, (laughs) thank you. Because it was like in that semester, like every one of those professors basically could have their own like theme, you know, teach like how they wanted to. It was a policy class. And I just ate it up because integrative healthcare, the whole like, you know, the whole model of it is to say you have your therapist in one building and you have your primary care in another building. And then you have, you know, like your personal trainer, nutritionist, whatever, in another building. And like, what we need is for all of them to like share a hallway and like talk to each other every day. And I remember just being like, this is everything. I mean, like, I, I felt like I was like, you know, reading the textbook, these are words that I had spoken. And I was just like, I was so lit up by it. And to know now that that's really, I think in a lot of ways, kind of where healthcare is going in a general like trend, thank God. Um, But yeah, it's, it's incredible. And so I think there was always a knowing in me that, that that was true, but Mm -hmm. over the last few years, now it's 2023. So I've been working with people for eight years, I guess, in some capacity and it just over and over and over again comes back to we are a system like the mind, body, soul system of energy is always the way that I now talk about it because in my membership, we were just having this conversation where someone was saying like, I don't understand why I feel like I've totally fallen off and, you know, I like can't get myself like quote unquote motivated or whatever to like go back and do this thing I was doing. And all I did was really ask the question, like, if you just like zoom out of your, you know, instead of focusing on that thing that you want to be doing that you're not doing, like, how are you feeling? Like, how are you, you know, as like a human, like, how are you doing? And she was like, I'm so exhausted. And I'm like, totally burnt out. And it's like, right. So like, you're a system, like you're, you're a whole system. Right. And it's like, Oh, and all, all we really had to do was identify that. And she was like, oh, it makes so much sense why I don't feel like I have the quote unquote motivation. I'm exhausted. Like all my energy is being sucked by this other thing. And I just see how often the way that we think of ourselves is so fragmented and so disjointed the way that the system exists. We think of ourselves as like these little parts, like mentally it's over here and emotionally it's over here and physically it's, and, and that none of it's related. It's all related 
because like you said, it's, it's a system hard. of energy. And that's also what I really appreciate about, appreciate about this point of the conversation where it's like, for me, you know, 10 years ago, I would need to see the science and the data around what does it mean to be a system of energy? And that exists because the nervous system is literally a system of energy <laughs> and electricity, yes, right? Absolutely. And then you could go like super woo-woo spiritual and like go that route, but whatever, we're saying the same thing. It's yes, the human body is a system of energy. There's no way around it. That's exactly what we are. Right, exactly. It makes me think of, I, I had a, a call uh, also this morning with another client who, is in college and you know it's like we're, we're getting into final season so things are getting hectic and you remember final season or you don't yeah. you don't sleep you don't eat you know right and, and she had texted me like you know I'm having a lot of anxiety I'm having I'm panicking in a way that she used to she used to before her and I started working together and she gets on the call today she goes I think I figured out why I was having so much anxiety. We didn't have a lot of food in the house and I was living off sea salt and vinegar chips and I didn't <laughs> sleep really for three days and I'm like that would do it. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It's, it's so important. And like, again, especially when we talk about food and eating, like when I, I, something that I hear sometimes is, you know, again, this like feeling of anxiety or feeling of just feeling kind of unstable or like not being able to focus or anything like that. And it's like, did you eat today? Like, yeah. is your body nourished? Did you put anything in the system? And if not, like, how can we expect it to run or operate, especially in a way that is stable and feels safe? Like, exactly. I mean, we could just go on how this relates to food, but it's everything. Right. You know, and that's what I, and I always say when I first start working with people, I need to ground you in the basics. I need to make sure you're moving well, sleeping well, breathing well, eating well, that you're getting sunlight and that your relationships are good. Yeah. Because without those things, I'm, we're working, we're fighting an uphill battle. Right. I'm sure you do the same, you know, it's just, Literally. It's, you can't, yeah. and it's, but people come to, to me and they, I'm sure this happens to you too, where, where they have an issue that they want to address and we can address it through conventional psychotherapy modalities, CBT, motivational interviewing, whatever. We could put the person on meds if we wanted to, to alleviate some of the symptoms. But a lot of the times what happens is we ground them in the basics and I don't even need to do all those things. Sometimes it's like, let's make sure your breathing mechanics are good and maybe cut down your caffeine a little bit, get some, a little bit of better quality food. I'm not looking to overhaul your diet, you know, and I, there's obviously complexities and nuances in there that we go into. Maybe sometimes get a, a supplement in there that might, you know, help with your GABA or help, you know, with anxiety in the body, just giving your body that nutrition that maybe it's not getting in everyday food, you know. And all of a sudden the issue they came from is like 50% of it is gone yeah. without us even doing the hard work, Yep. right? We don't have to sit there and white knuckle it and try to, you know, try to do the CBT to change your thoughts. And I think CBT has a time and place also. I think it also has its down, you know, its downsides, but right. When you're getting the body, giving the body what it needs, when the brain is working, when the, when the nervous system is working a little bit smoother, when the body has the nourishment that it needs, it will support your mind. 100% you'll feel better. So yeah, yeah eating, got to check to see, you know, it's right. like things, did you eat today? How would you sleep? How's your breathing looking? You know, if you're breathing, if your breathing mechanics are all off, your body's going to go into survival mode. Yes. 
Thank you for saying all that. A hundred percent. I mean, it's so aligned. It's, it's everything. I could like feel the people like moving who have been through my group program or whatever. What we're talking about is I have a pie chart. It's on my website, but it's a pie uh -huh. chart that is split mental, emotional, spiritual, social, physical, environmental, because if, I mean, again, the people that I'm working with usually are in this place of just objectifying themselves as a body. Like mm -hmm. they know themselves as a body, a weight, a shape or a size, but that's the point of the pie chart is like, we have to really expand our awareness to all these different parts and get all these needs met so that we can actually see what's going on here holistically. So yeah. yes, a million percent. What I would want to know is when you are saying, you know, you're, we are a system of energy and no part can be, you know, taken out, um, you're already giving us some ideas of what that means for us. So, mm -hmm. you know, like food and sunlight and movement and all of those things. Is there anything in terms of like, how do I want to ask this? Like mindset that feels really important to you to include? Because I think we're, I mean, in a lot of ways we're talking about it that is like just viewing yourself differently and viewing yourself yeah. as a system and knowing that all these things are connected. But is there anything in the like, you know, more mental space? Because we're talking like energetics and nervous system and all that's really important. Anything that has been really shifting for you or that you're, to the people that you're working with in terms of how you're talking to yourself, what you're thinking about, what you're focusing on, anything you could say to that yeah I think a lot of the broken I'm having multiple th thoughts and I'm gonna see if they can connect them all together I think a lot of feeling broken and I could be wrong about this comes down to self-esteem and how we view ourselves and a huge thing for me and shifting my mindset was learning how to fail and be okay with it please because, say more about that <laughs> yeah this is one of my favorite topics I'm sure you love talking oh, about God. it too I think so much of me was operating in that mindset of I'm broken because I couldn't tolerate failure because failure meant that I was a failure. And I think that when we learn how to fail or look stupid or do something silly and you actually come out of it and you survived, you realize that that thing that you did isn't, it doesn't define who you are. And therefore, you can be engaging in habits and behaviors that you don't really love and are not serving you in, the, in, in terms of your long-term goals. Obviously, they're serving you right now in a way because they're protecting you in some way. But they don't mean that you're a failure. So when we can start to shift our mindset around, okay, I can go do that. And I did this, you know, it's personal training did this for me, actually, because- yeah. I, yeah. So when I started personal training, right, I was working at the desk and I was like ready to go, but I couldn't, you know, my supervisor, who's now my mentor, Christian Ramirez, he is absolutely incredible human being, but he was studying, we would literally study every Sunday. I'd, I'd go to the gym and he would teach me, he would teach me anatomy. He'd teach me fitness. He'd teach me movement. He'd teach me functional neuroscience, functional medicine stuff. And I was really well-educated but I was not ready to take the leap to be a trainer. And I went to him one day and I was like, why is so-and-so, why is she training? But I'm not training yet. And he's like, because you're not, you, you haven't told me you're ready to train and she doesn't give a shit. She's just going out and doing it. And you're waiting to be perfect. 
And I was like, oh, really? (laughs) So, so I started, right. So I finally, I was basically pushed off the, you know, pushed off the cliff, leap and, you know, the net will appear type thing. And I started training and I thought that I sucked. Like I thought I was hurting people. I was like, I just had a 55 year old man trying to do assisted pull-ups. Like, did I just break his back? I don't know. <laughs> you know? And, and I would go home and I would just have what I think Brene Brown calls a vulnerability hangover, right? Mm-hmm. I would just be like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I want to just crawl up into a ball and under my bed and never come out. And yeah. I feel like I totally sucked at this. And I remember just saying to myself, because I never was, I, if there was any chance of me ever failing before graduate school, I just like any time before graduate, graduate school, elementary school, middle school, high school, whatever college, I just dropped out. Like I was pre-med the first week of college and I dropped out of bio because it was too scary. You know, like I was like, I'm going to fail. Like, I just can't do it. So I never even had the chance to fail. I just, I basically, essentially, I I failed by not even giving it a shot. So this was really the first time in my life where I was kind of failing, but had this safe space because of my mentor to, it was okay. It was okay to fail. I just remember just telling myself, Elise, just keep showing up, just keep showing up to the next consultation and just keep doing it. And right, because it's like that inner child in you is dying. They're like screaming, like, oh my gosh, what are you doing to me? You know, like I, so, so that was really my first lesson in failing. And I just kept showing up. And I remember actually fast forward a few years, I remember Christian sitting me down because he was, he was in charge of all the personal trainers. He's like, what's your secret? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, that you sell your part-time here and you sell almost as many packages as our full-time people. And I was like, what? I didn't know that. Right. And just to show, like, if you keep showing up and doing it, you become competent. And then you gain confidence. And then I did this another time after I went through a breakup uh, a little over a year ago and it like really cracked me. Like it really, you know, and I was like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to go back and do this. So I started taking a dance class, a hip hop dance class uh, in Astoria nearby. And I was so embarrassed the first time I went, I was the worst dancer there. I think a lot of people there had been dancing for a while or were professional dancers. And I'm so, I don't, you know, understanding choreography and memorizing choreography it's like learning a different language I don't know that stuff I don't know are you do you have any background in dancing or no I mean like as a kid but yeah not like today it's it's like learning it's like a different language so I just didn't know what I was doing and I would feel so again that inner child coming out screaming you know go 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 and hide like what are you doing and same thing. I was like, I'm just going to keep showing up. I'm just going to keep showing up. And I was doing the same thing at the same time with a public speaking class because I was teaching a lot of workshops too. And I wanted to improve my public speaking. And eventually I started going to these dance classes, you know, a few months in, she would just scream at me and tell me how bad I was and like, like in front of everyone. And I would just laugh about it. I was like, oh, whatever. It's not a big deal. Okay. I'm not going to die. Like, okay. So I suck at this. You know, <laughs> Who cares? But it's building up that mentality of I'm Okay. So what? It sucks. And I think doing this and and I, I actually do this. I do exposure therapies with, with my clients in this way. Yes. Like let's go out and look silly. Yeah. You know, yes. it's going to be okay. And I'm going to, we're going to regular, we're going we're to breathe through it. We're going to use our neuro tools and our body-based tools to, you know, help regulate your nervous system in the process. Because really at the end of the day, it's not the thing that's scary. It's your interpretation of the thing that's scary. hundred percent. I'm so glad I asked you that question. <laughs> I, feel like I totally went on and on and on about it. Like, no, like, it's everything yeah. because 
I, so it's funny again, like there are so many similarities just in our stories and experiences. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was learning how to be a personal trainer, part of the reason that I like love fitness so much still is because of the way that it really helped me rewire my brain around so many really ultimately limiting beliefs in areas that were around fitness, but also other things. And I had no idea at the time that that's what was happening, but similarly, right? And so I remember when I was, uh, I was, it was my last semester of college and I was learning, I was, you know, studying from the book, how to be a personal trainer. And I was Mm -hmm. basically going to the gym with my like guy friends to be like, how do you lift weights? Like I had no idea how to do anything. And I remember having this, like two, two really important things happen. One is that I remember realizing like you could use let's use like a chest exercise, for example, like you could do like chest flies with the cable. You could do a press with the dumbbells. You could, there are so many different ways that you could, you could sit on the machine and do the chest press. And, and the way that my mind worked at the time was like, but what's right, what's right. And what's wrong. And it was like, no, there is no, they all do the same thing. Like what, what do you, what do you like better? What like equipment do you like to use? What's available to you? What, you know, what's not going to hurt. And I remember like, I had such a hard time with like, but what's the best one. And it's like, that's not really a thing. (laughs) You know, it's like, they're all going to work your muscle. Like it's all, and it like slowly, but surely really chipped away at that, that mentality, that way of, of viewing the world of black and white, right and wrong, good and bad, this and that. And it was all like learning how to create programs for people from a place of creativity rather than good and bad, right and wrong. It was like, oh, like this is how it happens, right? And it changed the way that I viewed life, you know, really, truly. And then the other thing, I will never forget the moment this happened. I was with a guy at the gym and I was, I was there basically, he was teaching me how to like use machines and stuff. And we walk over to this machine and I see that he had no idea. It's like a machine he had never seen before. And I saw the way, so what I would have done, right. was like, walk up to it and be like, fuck this. I don't know what I'm doing. And like, just walk away. And I see him walk up to it. And he like reads the little directions, looks at the pictures, like starts adjusting all the little pieces of it. And then we tried out a few different times, trial and error. And I was like, that's what it is to be a personal trainer. You just have the balls to walk up to a machine and figure it out. Like, that's what I need to be able to do. And I was like, fuck that. Like, I could do that, you know? And it was so liberating to just be like, oh, so you're allowed to not know things and you're allowed to just like be uncomfortable for a moment while you're figuring it. You're allowed to trial and error. And it's like, that's what training was but in so many ways like you you know maybe it's too heavy maybe it's too light you know the only way you're gonna find out is if you try it (laughs) it was just like yes mind like it changed so much for me and then the last thing that I really just wanted to I mean these are all things that I just like I'm so excited that I get to talk about these things with someone who understands it the biggest shift for me around failure Mm -hmm. was being in the gym and learning I used to say this is my favorite thing to say to my clients failure in the gym is success. And that was so mind blowing to me, literally a term, right? A term that we use as personal trainers is till failure. You literally lift the weight to failure, which means you lift the weight until you literally cannot anymore. 
And everyone yeah. who like really, really works out and knows and lifts weights, you know that if you go to push it and you only get it up halfway, that's success. <laughs> yes. success. That's what you want. That's, literally, you want to reach failure. And like watching the way that I, I didn't again know this at the time, but what I was supporting my clients with was rewiring the way the brain works. That is, yeah. you don't want to run away from failure. You want to run right into it. That's actually exactly what you want. And I think learning that in the gym and practicing that in the gym translated to every other area of my life that was like, all right, yes. failure. Like, let's go. I know about failure. I could fail. And yes. there's something really kind of like, it was like exciting about that. You know, that was like, well, if I know, you know, if I, if I hit failure in the gym, it means I just worked as hard as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. I'm really proud of that. That's really cool to me. And then I would like yeah. be open to that in other areas. So it's, it's everything you're saying is really powerful because Another thing I share in my program in module five, the homework, there's a video actually that I saw at my time at NYU that is exposure therapy. Mm -hmm. And I share it because it's exactly that. That is, I think I actually sent it to you on Instagram that one of, if anyone wants more of this, there's a Ted talk that is about, uh, it's about rejection, not failure, but we could basically say they're synonymous in this way, but he goes out and the Ted talk is about his 100 days of rejection where he's basically doing that. He's giving himself exposure therapy to being rejected. And so he goes mm -hmm. out and asks people for like ridiculous things that he, that they're going to say no to. But anyway, it's an, it's an incredible Ted talk, but that's where for me, failure, uh, rejection, any of those things, the, I don't want to say the cure, but really something that we can do is the exposure therapy. Cause like mm -hmm. you just said, what we're doing there is teaching the brain that it's safe. And yes, that's for I mean, my mantra at this point is it's uncomfortable. It's not unsafe. It's uncomfortable. Yes. You get rejected. It's uncomfortable. You fail, but you're not going to die. Like you said, it's not going to kill you. And once your yeah. brain experiences that because you're willing to walk right into it, it really does get easier and easier to just go out there and, you know, get yelled at for being a bad dancer. And you're just like laughing. Right. Like, like, whatever. Just laughing. Who cares? It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. It's just that to me is like. It's like we think that peace and freedom comes from never failing and never being rejected, but actual peace and actual freedom comes from feeling comfortable and safe to be rejected and to fail and go out there. That's the freedom is that we can go out yes. and live our life and like, okay, so we fail. So we fuck up. So we get rejected. Okay, cool. Let's like laugh about it and just like keep doing it. It's Absolutely. That's freedom. I feel like you need to write a post on that, that, like that quote right there. Yeah. Right. Peace and freedom comes from just being able to fail because yeah. it's so brilliant. And it's so, and that's a lot of the work I do with, with my clients. And I know it's a lot of the work that you do too, because it's literally the most empowering thing Yeah, to that's... be able to go out and be like, okay, I'm going to look a little silly. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and it's a, it's a skill. It's a muscle you build. But every, everything is a skill and everything can be learned in that way. So, and, and if you don't use it, and I find that happens to me too, right? If I don't practice that skill of failing, then I, I, I've become a little shaky at it and it's a lot harder, but you can just go back up and, you know, practice it again. Yeah. And you can practice it in all different scenarios, but the gym is such an amazing, I mean, the skills and the mindset that I have learned in the gym that has translated into real life. I, it's just, they're so abundant. It, it's crazy. Yeah. 
I can't believe I mean I I need to do an episode that is all about that I still haven't and it's something that gets requested a lot I think the reason I haven't is because it overwhelms me so much because it's like I don't even know where to begin it's like I it's it's everything it's everything like every you know I I think about that quote that's like everything I needed to know I was taught in kindergarten everything I needed to know I was taught in the gym like yes <laughs> like, about, like it's like so much of just like life so welcome back and we need I need to do that um yes so okay oh there's so many things okay just for the sake of time I already know that you're gonna come back here I think we need to have like a series oh my gosh I would love that I would love that I'm already thinking I'm like I plan on taking a course in San Diego in November I'm telling you so we can hang out oh my god cool I'm so here for that um and if you come back to New York you have to let me know yeah yeah 100 percent. I'll be there in June Um, so I guess from this place, you know, if there's anything that feels really important that you want the people who are listening to this to know, like any Mm -hmm. kind of like big nugget takeaway, anything you haven't talked about yet that you want to share with the people, is there anything that comes up for you? Hope, you know, know that there are, even if you, you know, you haven't ever worked with myself or with Lisa, that there is hope out there to be able to build the life that you want to build. And that there's all different types of practitioners like us that are realizing that there's so many issues with the system that are making people worse, like you said, in some cases, or just not helping people. And the possibilities are endless. I think when you open up your mind to what's possible, that's really when the change starts to happen. And, you know, this, this, this conversation has left me so inspired and I have 5 million things running through my head right now. Like you said, also of things that I want to follow up on you with and and think about more and research more. And it's a beautiful journey out there. And I really feel like, and the more I get into this work and have faith and trust and believe me, that is hard. It is hard. It's not like I wake up every day. I actually wake up every day feeling miserable. Let's start there. I'm going to, I'm going to be very transparent about that. Like one of the medications that I am still on, the only pharmaceutical I'm still on is a baby, baby, baby dose of medication to sleep because I have chronic insomnia and right. And it's at that moment where I said to myself, like, I'm not going to wait until I'm off this medication to live my life and enjoy my life. But the reality is, is I don't feel good when I wake up in the morning. And I have a very extensive, crazy morning routine that I'm very consistent with because I know it makes me feel better, but no one should talk to me from like the moment I wake up until I've gone onto my roof, got sunlight in my eyes, did my breath work and did a little bit of movement. And boy, is it night and day? Like what a workout could do for you, even if it's a mile jog, does it make a difference? But when I can get into that mindset and be more trusting and be more positive and be more hopeful, is is when I know the possibilities are endless and you never know who you're going to meet and who you're going to impact. And we are so, so blessed to do the work that we do. And I know, I'm not going to say I know, but I'm sure you feel similarly of how honored I am to be able to work with the clients that I work with, because it is not easy to show up in the way that they show up. It takes fucking guts, right? Or in our, our world of chutzpah or whatever you want to call it, you know? And it's, it is really hard. And I care about my clients so deeply. Like I'm always thinking about them and if they're going through a rough time, I'm texting them to see how they're doing, but just 
I want them to know that there's hope. And I want them to be able to bring, to, to, to live their best life. And there's always going to be obstacles along the way and things are going to feel bad. But if we can view those obstacles less as obstacles and more like a playground where we can learn and we can explore and it's like, okay, what's the lesson we're supposed to learn here? You know, what am I supposed to get out of this? Life just feels more rewarding and more fulfilling. Amen. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank 100%. you. hundred percent. It's, it's just, yes. Cosign every single word. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And thank you for doing the work that you do and having this podcast. And I'm, I really, I'm excited to learn more about your program because I know a little bit about it from Instagram and, and whatnot, but I want to work. Sounds incredible. Yeah, I, it is plug. Um, okay. Well, you'll definitely be back. I know we've already talked about that. Um, can you please share where we can find you? We'll have all your stuff linked. Um, so your Instagram, anything else you want to share? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I said before, my name is Lee Shunkowitz. I am based out of New York city, but I'm licensed in multiple States. And I work with, uh, I'm, I'm licensed in New York, New Jersey and PA, but I also work with clients coaching nationwide. I am on Instagram at nerdy therapy, nerdy therapist. I can't remember. We're going to link it, but nerdy, like neurology, although I'm thinking about changing this, but we'll see, but nerdy, like N E U like neurology, therapy um and also on tiktok uh yeah and we'll share my contact information if people have follow-up questions they want to email me contact me however i would love because i i love to hear what types of things come from this what, what sparks in their mind from our conversation yeah amazing okay yes i love I, that was one of my favorite things use your instagram handle i really appreciated that when i came across it um yeah so we'll link that your instagram your tiktok and everything else and highly recommend just following along. And again, they're, they're very like informative and helpful. I feel like I've learned a lot from you just watching. So yeah. Thank you for being here and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Thank you.